like you can't talk about Survivor without talking about Johnny Fairplay. Dead grandma. Dude, she died. I don't understand people who watch it and they're like mad about it because it's so funny. <laughs> I think for me, I was definitely mad about it in the moment. But looking back, I was like, when his grandma's like, nah, I don't care. Like, I'm like, okay, so it's really not that big a deal. If he had won the million dollars, I would have, I would have burned the season to the ground. Welcome to Escaping Reality, the podcast where we escape the dumpster fire that is 2020 by watching reality TV and talking about it as if our problems do not exist. Today we're talking about Survivor Season 7 Pearl Islands, which should just be called Pirate Islands because that's the theme and that is what we get into the whole season. So before we jump into talking about one of the greatest seasons of Survivor to ever exist, I have with me my co-hosts and shipmates because pirates. I'm Aggie, and with me we have Nick. Arg me hearties, <laughs> shiver me timbers, I'm a pirate. Yes. <laughs> um, next up we have Stacy. Hoy, mateys. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Oh, guys, we're on theme, we're on theme. I love it so much. Just like this season, the theme was pervasive and aggressive, so it will be on this podcast. And finally, but definitely not least, we have our girl, Anna. Swab that poop deck and give me that booty. <laughs> yes! Oh, my God. Guys, I told them we were going to go pirate names, and they said no, and then they <laughs> lived up to the hype way more than I could have possibly imagined. Wow, I am so lucky to be on a podcast with three such queens. Here we go, jumping into Pearl Islands. I'm going to give you just like a quick hit on my thoughts and then everybody else, you can just take it away on your thoughts on this season. I don't think it's an understatement when I say this is one of my favorite seasons of Survivor. It's peak Survivor. There's some like shady dealings. There's people actually like trying to sneak in and listen on conversations. There's people who are fully game changers in a lot of different ways. And I think we are just lucky to live in a society where we get to watch Pearl Islands whenever we want. That's my tea. Someone else, take it away. Anna, you want to start us off? I will start us off. Um, I can safely say that this is currently my favorite season. I know we still have a lot left to get through, but like 15 seasons in, this is still top of my list. Um, for me, it's just everything and more that you could possibly want out of a season of Survivor. Um, I have very vivid memories of watching it when it premiered as a child um, and watching it as an adult was just, you know, a fully fleshed out experience that left you wanting for nothing but more. Oh, I love so it. Well so well said. Dace, what do you think? Yeah, season seven is a great season of Survivor. It's to me definitely the best um, up to this point and one of the best out of all 40. It just has great players, great people who will play in future seasons yeah the gameplay is just amazing the theme is cool too because early on we haven't had a lot of themes and it introduces us to the one and only sandra queen of queens it also introduces us to the one and only rupert but go off stacy get on that soapbox <laughs> last but certainly not least who is she what does she have to say that's me i'm she i am nick um no, I think season seven is my favorite season of Survivor to date. Like Anna said, we've watched about 15 seasons now, and still this is my number one. It is what Survivor should be. It has amazing castaways, 
that live up to the hype. You get Sandra, you get Rupert, you get an amazing villain in Johnny Fairplay. What season of TV isn't complete without an amazing villain that everybody loves to hate? Not only are the castaways good, but like production is just like on point. Like they have bomb challenges, a beautiful location, interesting twists, and just like uh, everything about this season is just so good. And it had so much going for it and it lived up to the hype and I was ready. I think, again, you guys are getting a vibe that we really love this season. So we have a lot to talk about. So we're going to try and bring it all in for you. But if you ever want to talk about Pearl Islands, we will engage with you and talk about it because it's one of our favorites. I think some things that you guys brought up that I thought were really good is we get these ideas of, Anna called them characters. And I think we all said the word characters, but they're maybe not characters because it's kind of maybe who they are as people. Um, So we're going to get into that a little bit later. We're going to talk about what these tribes actually look like, but we're going to start in this idea of a theme. We mentioned it in season six, the first like baby theme, as Anna coined it, a baby theme of just like, the Amazon is the theme. Now the theme is pirates. The names of the tribes are Morgan and Drake, who were literally explorers who like conquered Panama. So like it's truly based all around this idea of pirates and looting and what does it mean to be a pirate and how do you survive as a pirate if you're marooned, say. Um, And that was the whole sort of way we started. So before we talk about just our thoughts on the theme in general and get into some of those twists, I just want to remind you who's playing in this season. So We have the Morgan tribe and the Drake tribe, again, named after explorers slash pirates. The Drake tribe is Burton, Krista, Johnny Fairplayer, Johnny Fairplayer, LOL, Johnny Fairplay, Michelle, Rupert, Sandra, Sean, and Trish. And then the Morgan tribe is Andrew, aka Savage, Dara, Lillian, Nicole, Austin, Ryan O., skinny Ryan, um, who is actually Ryan S., and Tawana. Um, So just like in your mind as you have them thinking who the game was being played by. Um, But again, we're back in this theme of pirates and like to say this is one of the best starts to a season ever, I don't think would be wrong. They literally, they say we're marooning you in the clothes on your back that you were supposed to be wearing for promo shoots, but instead you're just going to play the game in them. And then also you have to be a pirate in many ways. Um, You're literally marooned. And then I gave you a certain amount of money. You have to hire a ship to get to your island and you have to barter with anything you possibly can as true pirates would in this tiny Panamanian village town. And according to Jeff, luckily... It's market day. So let's hear it. What do you guys think? Starting off, pirates theme. How do we feel about it? Yo ho, yo ho. It's a pirate's life for me. Um, (laughs) I think right off the bat is like we get in this idea of having a theme and making the theme a prominent point of the season. We saw the beginning of Survivor themes in Amazon, but like it wasn't really fleshed out. Producers didn't know how much do we want to get into this theme? What do we want to actually do with it? And now they're kind of like, no, we're going for it. And we're going to go hard. From the first episode, that's what it is. And I love it. I'm like all about it. Making them go and like act like pirates and like barter for these things. And just like making that, it's not even like a real challenge, but it is a big challenge for them. It's like, you're not competing for anything, but like you need supplies to live. So make sure you are good at it. And we don't really get to see the tribes interact with natives in a way that isn't like performative. And this truly felt like 
no, you're going to like this marketplace and just like, you're not, they're not going to help you in anywhere. They're just going to act like you're normal people walking up to them. And I liked that aspect of it as well. I think too, that there's this idea with this bartering thing is like true pirates. If you loot the town you're in, well, you will be set up for wherever you go pretty well. And I think we see that based on what happens at the Morgan and Drake tribe who actually does a good job, but I'll let other people jump in. Anastasia, thoughts? Yeah, I think in terms of theming, it's it's amazing the leap that we were able to make from, um, like we said, the BB theme of season six into just a complete overlay in this season where aspects of the gameplay, the visuals of the challenges, the twists that are involved are all sort of within a cohesive theme. And it's amazing that we made such a huge jump from almost nothing to really in every corner of this season, you see some kind of addition of this theme. And I love it. It makes it so engaging to watch. It ties everything together. And I think to start the season where we do with this, like, clothes on your back, the game is starting now, you know, it's up to you to barter and to wheel and deal for your supplies is A, such an engaging thing to watch, but it's also such an interesting twist in terms of like, like you just said, their success is based on what they are able to accomplish in this 30 minute, however much time they have challenge. And it really does kind of change the tone of the game where they're not just showing up to like a pot and some rice. Like, no, if you want a toothbrush, go find one, sell your shoes, figure it out. And I think it immediately draws the audience in, in a way that like, we just haven't had yet on Survivor. And so right off the bat, you're like, okay, there's so much going on and all of it's entertaining and you're kind of looking every which way. And I love it. Also the theme song for this season with its little like pirate melody is friggin' lit. I cannot wait to request it at the club when the club is open again. LOL. <laughs> Stace, what did you think? Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think it's so mean slash smart to trick them into starting, like not knowing they're starting at that point too. I mean, we'll talk about how some people's clothing choices <laughs> haunted them for the rest of the season. But also the two standouts to me from when they were like bartering and all that was Sandra knowing Spanish and helping her. She got like food for them. She got all the stuff for her tribe. And Rupert, I feel like no one ever confronted Rupert for just stealing the other tribe's clothing and selling it. But I knew from that moment, I was like, he's here to play. And he is not going to be one of those ethical, like, I'm here to, you know, I'm not going to lie or cross my moral standards. He, like, he was here to play from day one. He also is quoted, like, in his cutaway, he's like, Jeff told us we were pirates. Yeah. <laughs> So what would pirates do? And I'm like, this kid, I'm a- He really took it to heart from day one. Literally from the jump, he was like, I shall be a pirate. Done. <laughs> you told me the pirates are me hard. <laughs> yeah, like literally he was like, I'm in. How do I become more of a pirate as the season goes on? Which I think he definitely does. Helps that he looks like a pirate too. Yeah, he's like fully Blackbeard already. So I think we just like let him run away with it. Um, I also just, I, I didn't bring it up. I meant to sort of remind us all, never forget that the immunity necklace is um, a sword. 
So we really just like, we just lean in in every possible way. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, there are a few like pirate twists, which I think are simultaneously really smart and also make for really interesting television. So I'm going to kind of skip this big twist, um, the big twist about people coming back into the game. And we'll talk about that one last. But there are these like underlying ways of production trying to get this pirate theme, not only in a challenge, right? It's not just about shooting a cannon or it's not just about like using coordinates to find something or like looting all the treasure and putting it in your treasure chest and bringing it home with you like that aspect of the pirate theme is very clear but we also have all these other aspects in like camp life um so just a few examples we have a treasure chest that they go on a treasure hunt for they earn clues for it at one point one of the tribes is able to kidnap another member of their tribe and every time you get a reward you are able to loot the other camp for one item that you want to bring back to your camp so let's talk just those sort of twists, those piratey twists. Do you think they added more to the game? Were there any of them that you didn't like? What do we think? I liked the, like, taking one thing from the other team's tribe when you win. It was just so interesting to see what they would take and just how the taker, whoever it was, how they, like, approached it. Because one, I forget who it was. One person was so apologetic and was just like, I'm sorry, this is what the team wants or whatever. And then we have Sandra, who I'm only here to talk about Sandra in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> she was like, she was like uh, she's just like, I love when she takes whatever. She, she went two times, I think. She and she says, have a good day. <laughs> just like, bye. <laughs> oh, and no, one time she took the tarp. Yeah. And, like, they wouldn't help her until like, that's fine. I'll just take it myself. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. So, I, yeah. love, I agree, Stacey. I love that. But my part with that is like, the other team who was getting looted was so rude and bitter about it. And like, like you said, like, they wouldn't help Sandra take the tarp down. And she was like, well, fine, I'll get it down myself. And as she was pulling it down, like, parts of their shelter were coming apart. And they're like, now you're ruining our shelter? And it's like, well, if you would have gotten up and helped her your shelter wouldn't have been ruined, but you were bitter. And so now your shelter is ruined. And it's also like, guys, you're, you're in a game. This is part of the game. Like you lost. I get it. You're frustrated and annoyed, but like maybe do better. Don't be bitter. Just be better. Just be better. I love these twists. I, I feel like, again, it's so wild to me still, like even unpacking the season now, how they were able to throw so many different things into one season and have them all land. Like, I feel like in seasons past, we've seen, you know, a couple twists here, testing the waters on this. But this season, truly, it's just like, here's everything. We're throwing it all out there. And it all absolutely lands. And it's so good. And it all works so well together. The one thing that was kind of a bummer was, I think it's the season with the treasure chest. Like, when they finally find the treasure chest, like, a lot of the shit in it is, like, moldy and like some of it's spilled so you're like okay maybe we should have like slowed it down just a little bit production and like made sure that this didn't get disgusting while it was buried in the dirt but ultimately like I think it's such a perfect storm of additions that all like fit together so well and just make for every episode and at every turn is so fun to watch yeah I dislike I think that was it was really funny I'm was re-watching this season in order to do this um, podcast planning. And I was watching with my friend and he said the same thing. He was like, it's getting good. And it was like episode three. I think Nick and I watched this season in a day and a half. Like oh, yeah. you just, every episode you're like, shit, I have to see what happens next. Like I care too deeply about one, the players and two, the game that I just like, it's TV that you can watch so quickly. Like 
you don't want to spread it out over. You're like, I just want to watch every episode. Like I need to see it. I need to know how this turns out. And I think that's a really cool aspect of this season. Um, I don't think we talked much about when they kidnapped Rupert, when Drake wins immunity and they kidnap Rupert and he gets to be immune from tribal. And also he lives with them for a few days and he like literally teaches them all his survival skills. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to fish or whatever. And Ryan O is literally in his cutaway. He's like, the best thing our tribe ever did was get Rupert over here. Like, wow, we were not doing well. And it's like, no, baby, you clearly were not. But I think that was just like an interesting idea too, right? Like you take a hostage, basically. That's very pirate-esque. And it was just like, there was a lot going in there. I think the bigger twists were when people who were out of the game were able to have some control of the game, which we don't, we haven't really seen up until this point. So it happens in two places. We're going to talk about the outcast tribe as our like last big twist, but I do think we should bring up the idea that at final four immunity, they play against the jury. And if the jury wins, then no one gets immunity. Um, And so I don't know if anyone else has thoughts on it. I just think it was an interesting idea, right? That the players who are now out of the game can literally affect the game by having a chance to win this immunity challenge. And because they had Rupert, obviously they won. It was like Panama and pirate trivia. And obviously Rupert knew what side of the boat was starboard. And so he won, his team won, and then no one had immunity. So does anyone have a feel about eliminated players having a share in this game? Because we know that's going to come up in just a second with the Outcast tribe as well. Um, I, I like it in the general landscape of Survivor, where like ultimately the game does get to a point where like, those who have been voted out will eventually have some kind of say it, you know, insofar as the final tribal council and the jury vote is concerned. But I also think like not to tie it back into pop culture, but this season came out what, like a couple months after the first parts of the Caribbean movie came out. So that was like, we have to just take it back and remember what a fucking worldwide phenomenon that was. And like, wasn't part of the first parts of the Caribbean movie that like are back from the dead and like, you might have killed us, but we're still here. And so, I don't know. Oh it gosh, I hadn't thought about it like that, Anna. Like, the people who could never die because they had Cortez's gold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, Dead men tell no tales, guys. I love uh, it. Anyway, this maybe that's relevant. It's a separate podcast, but if we want, <laughs> if you want us to rewatch the Pirates of the Caribbean and talk about it related to Pearl Islands, we can, guys. Just let us know if that's something you'd be interested in. But that's always what it reminds me of, is that idea that, like, these are, like, your former tribe mates and, like, the people that you battled, and you knocked them out. You did it, but, woohoo, they're back with a vengeance. I mean, Anna, that's actually so on point. Jeff actually even says that when they come back. He's like, your past has come back to haunt you. Sometimes when people maroon people in their tribe, they somehow don't die. <laughs> so here they are. Here's the outcasts. Here they come. <laughs> so speaking of the outcasts, let's talk about it. I think there's a lot here. Basically, this was at the point in the game where there were six Morgan left, six Drake left, and six people had been voted out. So the six outcasts had been given, in Jeff's words, the same mild rations. <laughs> that's accurate is, is up for production to tell me one day when I finally meet them and force them to tell me all their secrets. But the outcast tribes have been, have been living sort of like separately on a third unnamed beach with the possibility of being able to get back in the game. The twist being they all had to compete in an immunity challenge as a tribe. If the outcasts win, Drake and Morgan are sent to tribal council. They vote someone out. The outcasts vote two people in. And then they get a new person, and that person is immune at the next elimination challenge, so they can't be voted out in order to give them a fighting chance. If Drake or Morgan were to win, the outcasts only voted one person in. 
spoiler alert, the outcasts win and get to vote two people back in the game. So let's hear what you guys think. Did you think it was a good twist, a bad twist? Was it successful? Talk to me. I liked it. I thought it was very interesting. It's not something that I want to see happen all the time, but I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. And I, I think it worked because the two people who came back in were Burton and Lillian, and they both make it to top five. Lillian makes it to top two. So it's like, it's not like they just came back. Because so many times you see when people come back in, they are the first ones gone as soon as the opportunity presents itself. That happens in, like, drag race that, like, they get eliminated and they come back and then they're gone the next episode because they can't hack it. Or, like, any other competition shows like that. So I thought it was cool that, like, these people came in and, yes, they were immune the next elimination round. But after that, they truly were on their own and they made it very far. So, like, I thought it was very interesting and I think it was made more interesting by the fact that it worked and it wasn't just a throwaway. Stacey, Anna, thoughts? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I just like that, again, they've made a lot of, like, changes and added a lot of twists into this season. That was probably very unexpected for them. So, and it does make you, you know, as a player, I think it makes you be potentially careful about, like, how you treat people when you're voting them out or how you treat people that, like, you know aren't going to be on the jury, but they didn't know they would still come back and, you know, you might have to work with them. So I think it just adds, like, another twist in there. I think it's an interesting twist, and I, I do think it's a successful twist. I would almost suspiciously say too successful and to, like, circle it back to what you said earlier about the, like, yeah, production says that they gave them, like, the same food rations and all that. But, I mean, again, I don't want to speculate about what production's doing, but... I think when you introduced a twist as big as this one, you have to kind of rig it slightly to make it successful. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, yeah, the outcasts were living on a beach and, like, just getting pumped with, like, a little more food and rest so that, like, once this twist comes into play, they actually are successful at bringing people back into the game because otherwise, like, what is it for? Why introduce it to then have it not go anywhere? Like... I think what Nick said is totally true of like, it would have sucked to have two people come back into the game and immediately be voted out. I think it would have been even more unnecessary to present this challenge and say like, okay, the outcasts have a chance to come back into the game, but they lost. So now it's not happening. Like, so I just, I, I, I want to have faith in the reality of it all, but also I'm like, they definitely got like a little bit more food to make them like a little bit stronger to make this, see itself all the way through as a twist in the game. And I'm not mad about it. Yeah, sorry, I'm looking back and I actually, I think Anna, I was gonna say actually that I think one of the strengths of the outcast twist is that two of them come back. I think if one of them had come back, you would have seen that they would have been pretty quick to go. Like, I think Burton was very lucky in the way Rupert welcomed him back and was like, let's bury the hatchet, you're back in Drake. I think if just Burton had came back, he might have had a little bit of success. But I think at some point, Drake would have been like, we have to cut you loose. You're not a true Drake member. You've been gone for 10 days. And we got rid of you once. But I think because both of them came back and then almost immediately they merged, it was like, 
now I have, I have an ally. Like I have a second person. Lillian and Burton were together until the top five. And then Burton takes Johnny Fairplay on his reward. And the girls are all like, why are we letting the men run this game? And I'm like, go off Queens. Um, but I think Lillian and Burton were a built-in alliance by having both of them return. They were a built-in alliance. So I think that was part of what made it so successful as well, is it wasn't just one person fighting their way through. In this outcast thing, it's two fighting their way through. So it's almost like if you side with us, you have two votes on your side. So I think that was what I agree with you, Anna, that if it wasn't rigged, it was very lucky that they were able to get two people to come back in because otherwise it would have been a bit of a bummer of a twist. That being said, we had these two beautiful tribes, Morgan and Drake. Nick brought up that at the beginning, Drake is like, winning 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 morgan is down in the dumps they're like crying at their camp every day austin wants to quit which he eventually does it's the first time that that ever happens we'll circle back to that in a second (laughs) but we're at this point in the game where morgan has now lost six in a row reward and immunity and it is just the poor sweet angels they just like can't get anything together like nothing's happening for them and so there becomes a question of like is the morgan tribe bad like are they bad at survivor do they just not get it are they lazy because every time they they come to loot they're kind of like they're all just like sitting around like what are they doing here Mm -hmm. and when they finally do win a challenge and they kidnap rupert rupert's like why aren't you guys doing anything like what's happening like this you have to do these things babies you have to do these things so why do we think Morgan struggled so severely at the beginning? Stace, why don't you start us off? I don't know. <laughs> I have no... See, no skin in the game for this right now? Do we think it's because of Austin's poor attitude? It could have been. I mean, I think they just didn't have Rupert to, like, give them a boost of, of energy, you, you know? know? I'm proud of you for making it Rupert is the reason the other tribe was successful. I think you're right. Agree. I actually agree. Like... All jokes aside, like, I do think that having Rupert on one tribe this season just automatically makes the other tribe look worse in terms of the audience's eyes. And, like, maybe it's the way that they edited it. Like, I'm sure the tribe themselves has actually had its issues that made it less successful. But I do think that, like, (laughs) the juxtaposition of seeing Rupert and then seeing Um, without Rupert (laughs) is, like, such a stark contrast. Yeah. I think also they just, like, had such piss poor attitudes about everything and they truly let it affect them and like it sucks like when you're constantly losing and you definitely are the lesser of the two drives but the more you sit there and think oh we're gonna lose again it becomes more likely like it's just like mind over matter you need to go in and be like no we're gonna crush it we're gonna do great and they just never went in with that attitude Well, like, Savage tries to get them to sort of buck up. But I think when someone wants to quit, it's very difficult to sort of, like, bring the tribe together because someone is pointing out all the flaws at every given moment. Austin is the first person to actually quit the game, like, in the history of Survivor. Like, lay down his torch. I no longer want to play. Um, Does anyone have strong feelings about Austin quitting? I know Jeff Probst does, but, like, (laughs) do any of us have strong feelings about him quitting? I do but only only in so far as like this is the first time we see it happen and i think because it was so new jeff is not happy about it and so it's kind of framed as this like shameful thing and there's not really austin's not given much opportunity to speak more than a, a short amount about you know his reasons behind quitting in future seasons when we will see other people leave the game more attention is given to their reasons why and 
I think that it is a product of just being the first one to do it. So like, you don't know how the public is going to react. You don't know how the fans are going to react to somebody leaving the game. And so somebody has got to be the first one to do it. And unfortunately, because we don't know yet what the effect of that is going to be, it has to be this sort of like, you're laying down your torch and like, this is not what this game's about. And like so many people want this opportunity. So I, I don't know that there would have been a better way to handle it, given the fact that it was the first time it had ever happened. And so you kind of have to assume that like Jeff and production are going to be really harsh about it because they don't know if people are going to be sympathetic yet. That's true. I had thought about that. Like they, they had to go kind of hard because I think Jeff is kind of for all those people out there who also watch the challenge, he has a bit of a TJ Lavin response where he's like, so you're a quitter. Okay. Get out of my game. Um, which I don't necessarily hate. And Jeff says this when Austin quits. He goes, I've been to over 100 tribal councils. No one's ever said this. Like, no one's ever wanted to just be done. And so to him, he's like, I've literally watched everyone play this game to the best of their ability, and you're just wanting to walk away. And I think that, like, Jeff was, like, like a little personally hurt. <laughs> I think my issue with Austin's quitting, he was quitting because he was annoyed that he wasn't doing good in the game. Like, he didn't quit because of, like, a legitimate reason. And, like, we see people quit again, and at least the ones that we saw so far, they all quit for justifiable purposes. Like, reasoning? Like, they all have a specific reason, because I'm not doing it. Well, no, his reason was that he was sick. And then Jeff brings it up at the reunion, and he's like, were you sick? And he's like, my health is my priority. I'm like, you did not answer the question. (laughs) He wasn't sick. His cop-out answer was, he would tell people at camp, I have a feeling my body is going to get sick. He never said he was sick. He was like, I have a feeling I'm going to get sick. And it's like, you're having this feeling after you guys are continuously losing challenges. Like, to me, it just comes across like you're bitter. And he even says, he's like, I'm used to winning and I'm used to being the best and that's what I came to Survivor to do. And it's like, you're not, so now you're quitting. And it's annoying to me. I'm like, don't come on Survivor if you're going to be bitter when you don't do well. Like, I get it. It must suck. But it's part of the game, boo-boo. It's, I think he, like, could just, he was, like, kind of anticipating, like, if this is going to be as much food as I can get, and, like, this is going to be just how the, the environment is, then I'm not going to last long. But it's just weird that he didn't just, like, wait a few days. I mean, there are reward challenges. Like, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Really quickly, we're going to touch on this. Anyone who has a thought, feel free to jump in. We know that Drake throws an immunity challenge. Rupert doesn't want to be a part of it, so he sits out. And then after that, Morgan wins every challenge until the merge. And so there's a question about, like, did you throw your momentum away? I think maybe Drake wins one reward challenge, but all the immunities go to Morgan. And it literally, like, evens up the numbers. And so it's a, it becomes a question of, like, did Drake just give away their momentum and then in the end end up sort of hurting themselves because they then had to vote out three people in a row? Thoughts? I think it definitely hurt them. I It's tough to say because I, I hate to play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game with Survivor of like, if this had happened, what would have happened? Or like, if they didn't do this, would this have mm-hmm. happened? But I definitely think it was a turning point for them, whether it was because they threw the challenge or coincidental. Certainly from like a story arc perspective, it was the perfect like moment that things could take a turn. But I don't know. It's one of those things that I'm like, I'll never know if it truly was just coincidental. But it, it's certainly interesting timing for it all. For me, it's just an argument to never throw a challenge. Mm-hmm. 
Like we're going to talk about this in future seasons. I am staunchly, regardless of the strategy, I don't think it's a good idea to throw a challenge. I think it puts you in too vulnerable a position. And I think this is a really good example of that. Drake then immediately lost three members. Like the net result was Drake then lost three members in a row. And Rupert points out, he's like, guys, we gave our momentum away. We truly gave it away. Our plan was to be Drake until the end. And like, they got a slight taste of being successful. And that's all that Morgan Tribe needed. And he'd actually been on both at that point. And he was like, they're in a different headspace now than we were because they felt what it was like to actually win something. And regardless of whether or not that was a fake emotion, they don't know that we threw the challenge. They know they won the challenge and that is making a difference for them. They are ready to come and play at all these challenges rather than like us who are coming in being like, we should win the challenge. They're like, we can. And that was the slight difference. Okay, we're gonna get into the meaty part. I know it's been a while. We just oh, the say about Pearl Islands. I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. I'm really going to reel it back. Here we go. We're going to talk about these people who become sort of characters, but really it's just who they are and they just fit an archetype. But I think the first one we want to talk about a little bit is Andrew Savage. He is the leader of the Morgan tribe, just a full 10 at every minute of the season. Mm. Uh, so hot. But Savage is sort of the leader of this tribe. He truly takes on almost like a fatherly-esque role. Like he wants to try and help Austin. He really wants to keep their tribe together. He's very team Morgan. Like, come on, Morgan, all the way, regardless of how poorly they're doing. So does anyone else have feels about Daddy Andrew before we jump into the two other big players in this season that are not the final two? I mean, he's our classic alpha male, which, you know, every season's got to have one. It's interesting to watch him, again, not to tie everything back to Rupert, but the juxtaposition of, like, an alpha male in the savage way or a sort of leader father figure <laughs> of, like, the Rupert way, where Savage definitely has more of that just, like, straight manly energy and attitude, which is possibly why he goes out before Rupert does. But I do love watching him on my TV. <laughs> Same. Same. Yeah, he was a good, he was definitely a good leader for his tribe. And I thought it was so interesting how much he like loved Rupert when Rupert came. Like, I think he just had this like respect for Rupert because he like Rupert taught them a lot and like showed them how to do certain things. And I think he honestly like wished he had been on the same tribe as him to begin with. Could we imagine? I don't think we would have been able to handle Andrew and Rupert on the same team. It would have been too much. Like, I wouldn't have been able to pay attention. I would have been like, all I'm thinking about is Andrew and Rupert being friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so speaking of one of my favorite Survivor players ever, let's talk about Rupert. We're going to talk about our favorite moments of him in Rapid Fire later, but I just, I feel like he needs to be discussed. I wrote in my notes, he's not only good at playing Survivor and like the challenges, because he is an absolute beast of the challenge, he's also so good at actually surviving. I think my favorite players are people who are good at challenges. Like looking back now at 15 seasons worth of people that I've watched, my favorite people are people who are good at the challenges and also good at surviving. So they're like valuable in multiple ways. And so I think that's just something that I value. And I think that started with Rupert. He was so good at providing for his tribe, but like purely out of him wanting to survive, like it wasn't a strategy move entirely. Like Richard Hatch, he provided as a strategy move. Rupert was like, I'm going to be the provider because I like fishing. And you're like, you're just a weird, crazy person. I love it. 
Anyway, I'm gonna stop talking about Rupert because I'm obsessed with him. Other people's thoughts on Rupert. Nicholas, you've been silent over there in the corner. Would you like to add on? I just, I think Rupert is such a moment of survivor that everybody knows and like everyone is aware of him and just like no matter how little survivor you've ever watched you know of this crazy big pirate dude you know of him he's a survivor staple watching his season his first season and i'm just like yeah you know what i get it like i get why you are loved now that's not to go and say he's the best person because he has extreme anger issues and like they come out and it's like okay dude let's calm down a little bit you're still playing the game and i don't think it ever registered with him that he's playing survivor he was like truly like i'm gonna go on a deserted island and i'm going to survive and have fun with that but i don't think he ever truly got into the idea of like i'm playing a game here he wasn't smart with alliances like he had a very good one but and he was so truthful to that alliance to a fault that people picked up on him. People were like, you're not going to go against this, so you're a danger to us, and you don't have the majority. So Mm -hmm. you're not going with us, you're a danger to us, you don't have the majority, goodbye. Like, he wasn't smart about getting further into the game. I love him, though. I loved watching him, but, like, that's just my tea on it. Mm -hmm. Stacey, I know you have feelings on Rupert. Yeah, I mean, he is (laughs) great for this game and this show like he does he did just like love it like it was just you know I mean they haven't met Ozzy yet but he's kind of like Ozzy where he just like was born to play this game (laughs) and I'm sure when they found I don't know if he applied or they recruited him but I'm sure they're just like how did we get him like he's so perfect I mean one yes I do think he he was a little angry he could have toned it down a little bit reeled it in like you know people might write your name down we can't just like have an uproar about every time your name gets written down but he also the other thing you said he was so loyal to them like even when he got like kidnapped and then he could go back to his team but he could go to the reward first right and he was like no i just want to go back (laughs) i was like wanted to go home and you're like, I was like, yeah, it's like, I mean, you could still take the reward and then go back. But he just was like, so loyal. And it was just like, again, I feel like he just adopted that whole pirate theme from the start. And he like lived for it. So I love his energy. I think he could, you know, take a chill pill. <laughs> I mean, I think it's evident, like, he's a freaking casting jackpot. Like, not only is he, from the first episode, giving incredible confessionals, but then you get to camp and you're like, oh, he knows how to survive. Mm -hmm. And then you get to challenges and you're like, oh my god, he's a challenge beast. Like, where is there to find fault if not that, like, like you guys are saying, he has an unwillingness to participate in a way that is necessary to to be successful in Survivor. And I think we see it, you know, when Drake wants to throw the challenge and Rupert's like, I get it. And I understand why we might want to do that. I understand the argument you're making in terms of the game, but I myself cannot go along with that. So like, I'll let you guys throw the challenge, but I will sit out of the challenge, thus not having to throw it. And I think it's, it's stuff like that, that you're like, he gets the game that's being played. And if what he wants to do for him, the enthusiastic, lovable Rupert, he's going to do what he's going to do, even if it's not the right move for the game. But I think he does have that awareness of Survivor and what it takes, but just sort of a, an unwillingness to do some of the, the more devious moves. 
that was so lovely said and provide such a nice lead in to the exact opposite of that embodied by our own Rupert character foil, Johnny Fairplay. Um, if Rupert is honest and loyal to a fault, Johnny Fairplay is the exact opposite. He is loyal to no one. I think it's episode three where he's like, I have an alliance with these five people. I have an alliance with these four people and I have an alliance with these five people. Who knows? What's Johnny Fairplay going to do? And you're like, shut up, Johnny Fairplay. Shut up. But love him hate him we're gonna get our quick takes on him i do think it's important to mention that he did say his grandmother died in the loved ones challenge i think you guys can speak as you guys talk about johnny fairplay about whether or not you think that was a smart strategy move if you would fault him for it things like that at the reunion they weren't as mad as i thought they were going to be tbh about him lying about his grandma grandmother being dead um i thought the jury and the rest of the cast would be like a little salty about it and they kind of were like nah game recognized game like it was a move he made grandma's not mad about it i'm not mad about it but let's talk johnny fairplay anyone want to start anyone feel strongly i feel like anna's I feel so strongly but i am so much in the team of defending him that I, would I don't know like if... to do the anti Johnny Fairplay argument before Anna goes pro. I mean, I can. <laughs> yeah, go on, Stacey. Go, go, go. Because I'm middle ground, so I'll go after <laughs> Johnny Fairplay. What a person! What a <laughs> there it is. He like from the start, I just felt uncomfortable by him. Like doing the little hand signal, like this goofy smile. Like I, and I feel like Jeff too was just like, "Are you okay? Like what's happening?" And I will say, I've heard that Jeff does not like Johnny Fairplay. Like they're not on good terms. Um, Stacey, on a rewatch, that's very evident. <laughs> I was watching with Steve, and I was like, "Oh my god, Jeff hates him." Like hates him anyway continues i think jeff is like why did we bring him here because he's like i get he's good for tv but like oh he annoys me but anyway i okay the grandmother thing i didn't like that i just don't think like it didn't really help him that much did it like i think he got to he got that reward he got to go on maybe but like was it necessary or was it just him like having fun? Like, I feel like he did it completely for his, he had already planned it before he got there. So it was like his own entertainment. He was pretty, I mean, he got in an argument with Sandra. Don't come for Sandra. That was another thing. There she Which is. Probably, you know, I'll talk more about how she responded because she doesn't take that from anyone. But <laughs> just like, he was so argumentative. He just was like trying to be difficult. I just feel like he came in wanting to be who he was was which i mean i guess be yourself but like at what I, cost honestly it's not that i'm not a fan i'm not a fan i think that's all i mean i can't even think of what he did strategic like did he win challenges was he strategic i don't remember because i just remember him being like annoying and lying about his grandmother go off stace anna take us home with the pro johnny fairplay argument and then nick you can wrap us up with a <laughs> little bow here's the thing he's great He's great entertainment. I think he's also, controversially, I think he's a great survivor player. I think it's evidenced by the fact that he makes it to the final three. It's hard to watch him and be like, oh, he's a bad dude, which like, 
yeah, I don't think he's a great guy in real life, but he comes into the show with this persona. Like he's very much playing up a character. Like I think he says it a few times, like this is his like wrestling heel. Like he's playing a character that is a villain. Everything's heightened. Everything's played up. So you have to kind of take everything he does with a grain of salt. And I think that's why he gets into so many arguments with Sandra because like Sandra's the only one who's socially aware enough to like realize that everything he's doing is so calculated and put on and she's like not having the bullshit. But I do think he's a good player. Like he's not good at the survival and the challenges, but he's good at the (laughs) social manipulation, which is such a huge part of Survivor. So like, can we fault him for that? I don't think so. And I think exactly what Aggie was saying before, like you see a bit of the, you know, the game respect game with the dead grandma debacle, where after the fact, I think the other people from this season are a little like, dang it, why didn't I think of that? Like, that's that's a good move. Like, grandma was cool with it. Everybody else was like, ooh, yeah, that... Maybe I wish I had thought of that. And I do think it helped him garner sympathy because truly nobody nobody questioned it until the season aired and they saw the confessionals. Like he didn't tell anybody he was lying. So in, in a situation where maybe he does make it to the final two, like then the jury is going to have, you know, that little bit of sympathy. So I think it was a good move. I think it was shady, <laughs> but like it comes across on a rewatch so funny when you know that it's not true and you can watch it mm-hmm. and not be sort of shocked when you find out that it's a lie. Like if you watch it from start to finish, knowing that it's made up, it's so funny. And I just like, I know that he's problematic, but I think he's such a good survivor character and player. And I do mean character in the traditional sense of the word. I think the thing is, is that Pearl Islands wouldn't be the same without Johnny Fairplay. Like it would, I don't, I truly don't think it would have been as successful as it was without Johnny. Like, he was the villain of it. He was somebody that you were rooting against. And, like, in any great story, any great anything, you need a good villain to hate, to see them lose. And Johnny is that villain. But he is a good survivor player. He makes it to the final three. He convinces Burton to be in an alliance with him after he convinced his entire tribe to throw a challenge to get Burton out. Mm-hmm. Like, and then Burton comes back and it's like, yeah, I'll be in an alliance with you, Johnny. I could trust you. And it's like, what the hell? How is Johnny this manipulative and this good at social gain? Is he a terrible person? Yes. Would I want to hang out with him? Never. But do I want to watch him in every season of Survivor? Hell yes. He makes for great TV. The grandmother lie to me was, it was ridiculous. And like, I agree, Anna, like the first time I remember watching this like in real time with my family and like us realizing it was fake and being like, what an asshole. And then I rewatched it and I was like, okay, but yo, that's low key genius. Especially because Mm -hmm. it didn't hurt him at all. Mm -mm. The truth never came out until the reunion. So in theory, if he made it to the final two, like Anna said, he could have gotten sympathy votes and won based on that lie. He would have pissed a lot of people off at the reunion. But like at that point, who cares? You're already a millionaire. You're already a millionaire. You're already a millionaire. Who cares? And I think there's something to be said that, like, Johnny was like, I'm going to be a villain. I don't care what people think about me. Like, fuck it. You always remember the villain more so than the hero. You always... Unless the hero is Sandra. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but like but I think the average person talking about the season, they might remember Rupert and Johnny Fairplay. Say, when I was Sandra. talking about Pearl Islands, I brought up this. I brought up this season to my dad, who watched every season of Survivor as it aired in real time, and he was like, "Oh, remind me like who was on this season?" And I was like, "Oh, well, Sandra wins," and he's like, "Who's Sandra?" And I was like, she's like a Survivor legend. And I was like, Johnny Fairplay's on this season. He's like, oh, the guy who lied about his grandmother. So like the average man or the average viewer remembers Johnny Fairplay the most from this season. Mm-hmm. That's just the truth T of the situation. Okay. And with that, I am going to say like a little bit, Anna and I talked a little bit before we started recording. And I think there's this idea though, he gained favor among Survivor people, but like the American public who watched his season didn't love him. Like, I feel like he has respect from other Survivor players and, like, deep-seated Survivor fans. But if you're just watch a watcher of Survivor, you're kind of like, he's a dick, I don't like him, he's aggressive and abrasive, and he's not nice. And I just, like, I can't get behind it. Also, you low-key, like, fake killed your grandmother. That's a lot. But I think he was smart. I think he has a similar arc in other seasons to Rob C., from Amazon that we just talked about last episode, he plays his whole hand in Pearl Islands, right? He plays every single version of scheming and then it's all caught on tape, right? So if you're going on another season, people know your game. Like they know what you're here to do is to like wheel and deal and make promises to everybody and literally just look for the easiest way for yourself to sneak through. And so I think in that regards, he's a great survivor player, but I don't think he's successful in other seasons because he's played his whole hand right here, right now. And we saw it didn't get him to the final two, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not some of us think he should have been there. Net result, he wasn't there. And I think that speaks volumes. Like he is someone who other people study to emulate later. He doesn't not come up ever again, especially among survivor players, because he is one of those people who was smart in the social game and manipulative as fuck. I agree. It's hilarious to me that Burton allied with him. Like Johnny literally threw a challenge to get Burton out. Like that was his whole deal. So I think it's very, it's very impressive. Okay. We've talked about the men. Let's talk about the women. It's a final two. Sandra versus Lillian showdown. Just a reminder, Sandra is our Puerto Rican goddess who is wearing a peach linen suit the entire season. (laughs) It is everything to me. And then we've got Lil in her Boy Scout troop leader uniform the whole season. And these two women make it to the final two. Lil wins final immunity. um, And she decides instead of taking Johnny Fairplay, she decides to take Sandra. In the reunion, she says she prayed about it. She thought about it. And like, she felt that at the end of the day, even if she lost to Sandra, Sandra deserved the money more than Johnny Fairplay because of who she is as a person. And like the fact that she's a mom, just like her. And like, there were other, like that was her thought process. But let's talk about how Final Tribal actually went down. Final Tribal, we have Sandra basically saying, hi, you guys never voted for me, not once the whole season, because I was always willing to vote for whoever you wanted to. So like, maybe you're mad about that. I also was not a physical threat. Girlfriend just came here and played her game and here I am and you're over there. I was loyal to my people and Rupert, bro, I'm so sad that you went home. Like, remember, remember, I didn't know when I voted for Johnny Fairplay. I'm sorry. It was a mistake. I I played the game I played. And Lillian comes in and she's like, I'm honest. I'm a troop leader. And they're like, roast that. We are not about that. So what did we think? How did the jury do? What happened with Lil? What happened with Sandra? How do we think Sandra was able to beat Lil? Because it was a 6-1 vote in Sandra's favor. I low-key think it should have been 7-0 after that final tribal, but I will keep my thoughts on final tribals myself until these beautiful co-hosts of mine share theirs. I'll jump in. There he is. 
Sandra is the ultimate queen of Survivor. I know Stacy runs the Sandra fan account, the Stan account. Stacy is the queen of Sandra loving. So I'm not going to spend so much time on her, but just know that everybody in this podcast worships the ground Sandra, queen of Survivor, walks on. And she is everything to me. Watching her play in season 40, Winners at War, and then seeing her beginnings here, I'm just like, damn. You are perfection. Uh, and then you have the total opposite of Lillian, who got to the final two by chance, in my opinion. And just like, I think it's interesting that Lillian got to the final two from being an outcast, from getting voted off, coming back, aligning herself with the right people, and getting to the final two. I commend her for that. But my issue with Lillian is like, she just didn't own anything she did. And she was like, I'm sorry for everything that I did wrong in the world, and I'm sorry for lying and deceiving. Now please give me a million dollars. And it's like, honey, boo-boo, sweetie, child, no. That's not the game of Survivor. That people are not going to respect you for that. Especially, like, the person you're sitting next to is saying what she did to get there. Being like, hey, I went behind this person's back, I did this, I did this, and I manipulated this. And you're sitting there like... I did those things and I'm really sorry and I wish I never did them. Now, please, can I have a million dollars? And it's like, you cannot do that. And her emotions destroyed her in the final tribal. Like, she could not let people's thoughts about her go away. She had to address them and be like, I'm so sorry you feel that way about me. That's not who I am. Let me change your mind right here in this moment. And it's like, you need to be spending this time telling people why you deserve to win a million dollars and you are not doing that. And so you have Sandra, who is just the ultimate survivor queen, owning her strategy, saying why she deserves to win. And you have Lillian pretty much saying why she doesn't deserve to win. And it's like, this is uncomfortable. That's my feels on the final two and just like the final tribal in general. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there's two key components to any final tribal in order to be successful or to perhaps ruin the game for yourself. And it's on the one hand, the way that you answer the question in terms of the content. And then there's the way that you answer the question in terms of you know your tone and how you handle the pressure and the way that you speak. And I think Sandra succeeds so much so at both the answers she gives and the way she gives her answers where Lil just fails. Not only are her answers lackluster, but she's continually tripping over herself backtracking on her own word, getting overwhelmed, uh, I think is the right word to describe it. Um, And it's just not a good look, especially I think with the jury that we have. It's people that, you know, except for maybe Tiwana, who is the only person to vote for Lil, like it's it's a group of people that aren't taking anybody's shit. Like you're not fooling these people. I I always wonder, like, when we get to the final tribal and the jury, how much, you know, they're basing their questions and their decisions off of that we as an audience are not privy to. Because for me, like, Lil comes across so annoying when you watch the season. And I do wonder maybe, like, was she less annoying than we see on TV? Like, is, is that, you know, production manipulating things? Was she more annoying than we see on TV? I have to imagine so. But so I always wonder, like, what else plays into the jury's, like, idea at Final Tribal that they're pulling from that maybe we haven't seen. But yeah, it was it was a big fuck up, I think, on Lil's part. (laughs) And on the flip side, Sandra, you know, 
she crushes it. She does what we see very few people able to do, which is play a really subtle game and be able to back it up completely and cool-headedly. Yeah. Just really just clinch that win. So I'll throw it to Stacey. It's your moment, Stace. Shine, baby, shine. Let's go. All I can, all I can say about Lil is her saying like, oh, I wish I had never worn this uniform or whatever like she just was so apologetic or she was like playing the victim role a lot I guess and I was just like come on you wore it you like gotta just like find a way to use it to your advantage but you did not do that and then we have Sandra who just you know some people thought she rode coattails or she just kind of ended up there and she was able to verbalize like hey, like, I listened to you all. I did what I needed to do. I was, you know, a vote for people when needed. No, I didn't win challenges. No, I didn't, you know, have any, like, amazing moments, maybe, that everyone noticed. But I was still playing the game, and I was having conversations. I was in with Rupert. I was, she was very, like, she was talking strategy to a lot of the women. But the thing is, some people do that, and then they can't, they like get nervous or like once they get one criticism, they're like, oh no, they're right. I wasn't doing enough. But she was like, no, 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 no. I did everything. <laughs> Don't try. Do not try to say I haven't been playing from day one when I got us food <laughs> by speaking Spanish. Like I've been here and I've been doing things. And it was just beautiful. Like when she responded to questions, you couldn't really argue with them. Like you're kind of like, yep, she's right. And we just underestimated her. We didn't notice it. But here she is. And I agree. It should have been 7-0. I can't think of one thing Lil said that, like, earned her a vote. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna do a bonus rapid fire right here in the middle of just a second. Because I think we all love Queen Sandra. And you have to also just mad respect someone who is willing to pour some tea in a confessional. <laughs> like, someone who is willing to, like, truth pour, truth tell in a confessional and give you the dirt because she is involved in so many shady things. That woman's a sneaky bitch in the best way. I mean, that is a full ass compliment. I love her. I think she's fabulous. And I think Lillian is a very good example of a woman apologizing for taking up space. And it infuriates me. One of my least favorite things in the whole world is when a woman does something and makes a choice. And then the minute she gets criticism, she shrinks back into a hole because she's afraid that like the choice she made as a woman was one that other people cannot agree with. And Lillian absolutely embodies this in this final tribal. She comes in and she's like, I played this strong game. I'm a Boy Scout leader. I'm honorable, which wasn't a strong argument regardless. And then the minute Ryan O says something to her, she absolutely crumbles. She's like, I wish I'd never worn this uniform, blah, blah, blah. Like I take it all back. And I'm like, you're apologizing for taking up space. And we as women have been conditioned to believe that we don't deserve to take up space. And Sandra's the exact opposite. She's like, nah, bitch, I took up space and now I'm fucking here. So get over it and vote for me. And I'm like, yes, like go off Sandra. And Lillian, it literally just looks like a poor, sad version of what she could have been. Because the thing is, she was playing the game. Steve and I were watching today and we were like, you know what? Like second look around, she actually, when she comes back from the outcasts, Lillian is playing the game. She wasn't playing the game in the first half of the game. When she gets back in with Burton, when they come back from the outcast, she does sort of show up to play. It's not great, but she tries. And she's like ready to wheel and deal. And then she has a Kelly Wigglesworth moment where she thinks she maybe shouldn't, but she goes with the women and like gets Burton out. And then it's just like final tribal, I think is a culmination of her just realizing like, 
I don't want to take up space and I don't want to take ownership of these things. So in this moment, I just want to like shrivel up and die. And it's like, maybe you should have just not even tried to win final immunity. That's my tea because you maybe didn't really want to be there. You like did because that's what the game is. But at the end of the day, you didn't want to speak about yourself. And then you ended up apologizing for everything you've ever done. Um, so <laughs> can you tell I have feelings about Lillian? Don't get me wrong. I have feelings about Sandra, but my feelings about Lillian are much stronger and much more angry. I think also Sandra's an interesting character because character I say with a weird, that's not really what she is. Like she's an interesting player because I think she was able to explain how her circumstances validated her strategy, but also she created her own circumstances to validate that strategy, if you will. So like she was alone. Like Rupert got voted out in a blind side that she did not see coming and was fully shocked by. Then she did vote out Krista, the other member of her alliance in this attempt to save herself. And then she then realized that strategy is going to work. Like it worked with Krista. I had to lose someone that I like love and adore and is part of my lines, but I had to vote for her in an attempt to gain traction. And in the end, that's what she did every single vote after that. And it totally worked. I think also she was able to like do that and not piss people off. Like yeah. she, she was able to vote off Krista, who was a prominent member in her alliance since day one. And Krista still voted for her and, like, at mm-hmm. the reunion was like, yeah, of course I voted for Sandra. Like, <laughs> props to her. Like, she's my everything. Like, I don't care. Like, she had to do what she had to do. Sandra, like, threw and hid fish. And the entire tribe blamed it on Krista. Like, Krista went out that episode or like, the episode after. No, it was that episode. It was that episode. She went out. And Krista was still okay with it. She's like, no, nah, she's got to do what she's got to do. She won. She had to get there somehow. And I'm like... How did this woman not piss off anybody? Bonus rapid fire. What is either your favorite Sandra quote or like favorite Sandra cutaway confession? You can take 10 seconds to think about it. There's so many good ones. Let us know in the comments what yours is. You have five seconds to imagine it in your brain. And then let's hear it. What was your favorite like Sandra thing that she did that you were just like, oh, this is why she's a queen. And this is why she plays this game so often. Stacy's smiling to herself. Stacy, do you have one? <laughs> I'm, I'm reading a list of her quotes and I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, I have to give two. They'll be fast. The first is when she takes the tarp and as she's walking away, she says, you sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. No hard feelings. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Okay, take care. What? <laughs> what? It's like, it's such, this, it's like the Southern thing when you're like, bless your heart. But you're like, I hate you. Bless your heart, you little bitch. <laughs> and then the second was when she's arguing with um, Donnie Fairplay and he's yelling and she said, I can get loud too! And like, stand <laughs> <laughs> I just love her. Okay. <laughs> I might have two as well. So I think, I think we, maybe you can have two moments about Sandra if you want. Anna, do you have one? Are you ready? I have one and it's very early on. It's when they're in the marketplace first episode and sandra's the only one who can speak spanish so she's like fucking crushing it and they're in like a shop and the shopkeeper is talking to i think it's trish and she like definitely has the hots for her and sandra's like trish thinks it's real funny but and then she like deadpan looks at the camera and she's like but i think she really does like her (laughs) and like just the way that she says it is so hilarious so she's like no but like really i think i think she wants to keep her (laughs) It's just the way that it comes off is so... It was like, in a social way. Yeah. (laughs) Social way. (laughs) That's the conservative way of saying, 
as a lesbian lover. I love it. I love it. Nick, what's yours? So I just had to look up a list of her quotes and I remember this one iconically and it's really talking about her strategy in just such a blunt way and it's perfection. And she's like, let them kill each other, vote each other off. As long as it ain't Sandra, I'm happy. And that is just perfection. Just perfection. What a goddess we don't deserve. Okay, so I have two. One is more of a moment, but it's like a cutaway to, Sandra makes all these plans to basically trash the camp. And then Burton comes to her and goes, we could, or Johnny Fairplay comes and goes, we could maybe use you. And she goes, well, damn. I don't think I can do what I was going to do. I'm going to have to put my plans on hold. And I'm like, go off. And second, I think the most iconic line she has at Final Tribal is she turns to them and she goes, every one of you is on the jury because of Lil. And then she just kind of sits there. And I'm like, oh, the truth, T. It's right there. Like, there, it's, it's so accurate. She's like, every single one of you is there because of a move Lil made. I just voted with certain people. We're almost done, guys. Here we go. We got a few rapid fire, and then we've got our honorable mention. I'm going to let you guys also share your thoughts on Dara, but we picked Dara as honorable mention because, in my own words, she killed it in a lot of the challenges, but she was simultaneously irrelevant to most of the gameplay, except for maybe the one where Lil and Sandra ally with her to get out one of the boys. But otherwise, she's not... She didn't initiate that. Sandra did. Like, she just kind of was there after Morgan and um, Drake merged. So does anyone else have a reason, a thought about why Dara is our honorable mention, why we love her, but also potentially didn't have a space for her in this conversation up until this point? I mean, I feel like Dara's legacy is just being the hot mortician. LOL. (laughs) Remember that she's a mortician. I'll never forget. Like, anytime she's mentioned and you're like, who's Dara? And they're like, the hot mortician. And you're like, oh, yeah. I always love when we have someone on Survivor who is a native English speaker who needs subtitles. Always a fun <laughs> little element <laughs> to add. Um, yeah, not much to say about Dara. I do think, you know, she fits the honorable mention category and that you can say fun, interesting things about her. But at the end of the day, if you fully removed her from the game or the conversation, like nothing else would change. <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't be very different. It wouldn't be very different. Stace, do you feel about her? Yeah, I love that, like, any, like, she didn't talk that much. Like, I feel like Jeff would try to ask questions, and she would just be like, yeah, it's going all right. And it's like, are you, are you done? Like, can you give me a little more? Just a little more. And at the reunion, I think he asked, like, are you still doing the mortician thing or something? And she's like, she was like, yeah, yeah, it's going well. And he's like, okay, next. No, he goes, I know one of your like major aspirations is to be a model. Is anything happening with that? Oh, that is- well, no, not right now. I'm actually going back to school for dental hygiene. But she like looks a little yeah, miserable like- as she says these yeah. things. Like, she looks upset. Wasn't she also the one who, during the Loved Ones Challenge, she and her boyfriend got no questions right, like, about each other? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Yes, we were it like, was. Are you, are you dating? And if so, for how long? Yeah, it was like, um, wait, are, are you sure he's your boyfriend? Did he send his twin brother? Like, I'm confused. Why does he know none of the answers? And then she's like, we're going to have a talk when I get back home. And I'm like, it's going to be a breakup talk. Like, ah. yeah. So maybe she also made for like slightly good TV. Slightly. 
Steve also called her unintelligible Southern. Like, just... Oh, yeah, like, needs subtitles. Like, what are you saying? What words are you saying? All right, we've hit our rapid fire. We're going to try and make these one-word answers. We never do, but we're going to try. Here we go. Or unless you're probably learning. We're not great at one-word answers. Okay, we're going to start out, start strong. There were a ton of hot men this season. Who is your Ew. daddy of the season? Daddy of the season. Daddy Andrew Savage. If you have a different answer, you're wrong. A moment. Stacy. I just, I care about none of the men. I only care about Sandra. So <laughs> There she is. For those listening, Stacy is single and likes men, but she can't think about anyone else in the context of Pearl Islands. Anna, who you got? Um, the team will drag me because I once revealed that as a child, I definitely had a minor crush on Johnny Fairplay. However, <laughs> it's Burton. Like, it's always Burton. There's, there's no question. Okay. Anna, I actually fully agree with you, except for his moment with a goatee in final trial. Oh, yeah, no. But <laughs> I, to be different, I'm going to pick Rhino because the man is a full 10 and he looks better at all the jury moments than Burton does. Burton looks good in the jungle. Ryan O looks good on the jury. So fair. Okay. okay. So now, because there are so many like wonderful, amazing people on this season, we're going to say, who would you want to be stranded on a des- des- deserted Island with? And why is it Rupert? Go. Or um, if it's not Rupert, who else are you picking? It's Rupert because a, he will provide for you. B, while he does have some anger issues, I think ultimately he is a cuddly, cuddly teddy bear of a man. I agree. Nick? Daddy Andrew Savage. (laughs) (laughs) I think we know Nick's answer to every question for Rabbit. No, because you know what? He was a hard worker and like he was able to survive and then you can cuddle up with him and be like, thanks daddy for a great day. Stacey? I mean, Sandra. (laughs) (laughs) My answer makes more sense than Sandra. I love Sandra as an answer. I think she's perfect. Stacey, what is your reasoning for Sandra? Just so you can hang out with her and become her best friend? She would be the most, like, okay, assuming we could, like, find ways to survive, she's the most entered, like, the most interesting person. Like, I feel like our conversations, we would not get tired of talking. But do you think I'm having a conversation with Andrew Savage? No. (laughs) I do. Savage would probably be my second because I Rupert. I think I would get tired of him. Savage, I do think could have good conversation and keep you, you know, provided for. But still, Sandra. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, I mine would. You guys know I'm a Rupert Stan. I love him forever and always. But I might bring Burton. I was like very attracted to Burton in the woods. Like I'd be okay with it. And like he was pretty good at building shelter and things like that. Like he was good at the actual survival aspect. He just like people didn't love him because he was like a little bit strong and like a little bit broy. But like I could make that work for me. Okay. This one we might not have as many answers. So I just this season is kind of memorable to me because the challenges were very they start to get very long and very complicated. Um, there's like a lot of steps you have to do like a lot of things and production also at certain times underestimated how people could maybe like get around some of the challenges and maneuver them better or things didn't work perfectly. So I'm going to call this funniest challenge snafu, um, or where production thought it was going to go one way and it didn't. So what was our favorite challenge snafu where things just didn't totally go as expected. I can give an example if you'd like me to start. Go on. Okay, so mine is when they're doing the plank challenge and they have to like fill their canteen with water, run across a beam, pour the water in and then get a key out of the water and then unlock a thing and drop another plank and then they have to go all the way back and fill their canteen. 
Dara's skinny arms just like fit in the thing and she just like didn't even, she barely needed to fill her water canteen. She was like, I'm just gonna go for it. And Jeff's entire commentary is like, well, Dara's just sticking her arm down there. She doesn't even need any water. And it's like, LOL. Like production definitely didn't think that would happen. Production thought it was gonna be like very difficult to get the water. And like the men were at a significant disadvantage. Like Dara won because she had skinny, tiny little arms. Like that was literally the way, like, most of the reason she won, which I thought was just like hilarious. The production hadn't thought about that as a workaround. They were just like, no, this will be better. They'll just have to do it the same way. And Dara's like, fuck that noise. I'm going to win because I'm skinny, which, you know, go off girlfriend. Anyone else? Mine's not a challenge snafu, but I do have a favorite challenge moment. Perfect. That works. Can I do that? Yeah, that works. Oh, rockin'. Like for me, I think the funniest moment in a challenge is the loved ones challenge where we've just witnessed the dead grandma moment. Yeah. Sandra gets a question right, and who does she ask to walk the plank, but Johnny Pear plays best friend. And Lil turns to her and, like, snaps at her and goes, his grandmother just died. And Sandra's like, yeah, what of it? Mm. <laughs> that doesn't mean I like him any better. <laughs> so funny. Just, like, the shot-by-shot reactions of it are, oh, what a moment. I think one of my favorite moments comes from the same challenge Aggie was talking about, where they have to lower the planks, and then Lil's just gets randomly caught and doesn't go down. And it's like, this is not, like, part of the challenge was not to navigate your plank down. It's supposed to just drop. And Jeff is like, you need to get it down correctly. And it's like, but that wasn't part of the challenge. It's supposed to just drop. You can't tell her that she's doing it wrong when it wasn't the challenge, Jeff. There was, there was no reason for it to get caught. There was no reason. And he was like, you gotta maneuver it. And I'm like, no one else does. <laughs> it was hysterically unfair. And if it happened to anybody else, I would have been upset, but it happened to Lil, so I just didn't care. <laughs> Daisy, what's yours? I mean, I thought when they did that, like, word sort thing that you called bananagrams. I call it bananagrams because, guys, they played bananagrams, and it was written by a 15-year-old girl who had the worst reunion interview maybe ever. But continue, Stacey. What happened? Well, when when Burton thought he had won, and then – it's funny because if you watch it, like – as they're walking away, someone's like kind of looking at the board still. And then it's funny that they had to go back because something was spelled wrong. So I just think that's funny because it's like, Jeff, I guess you didn't have a list of all the words or you just overlooked it. It was a long day. Like, I don't know. Liaison was not one of the words that they thought you could spell. Yeah, like it wasn't on the list, I guess. (laughs) So Jeff had no idea. And then they fully had to call them back. Like Burton's wearing the sword. They're walking off set. And then they're like, come back. The challenge is not over. But to be fair, I have to write that word a lot for work and I do spell it wrong often. <laughs> so because it's not difficult. Pick something else. That's why it wasn't on the list. Because <laughs> it's stupid and difficult. Maybe just don't. Like, ugh. Perfect. Okay. As a true Rupert Stan, everyone has a favorite Rupert moment from the season. Think about it. Visualize it. Go. What is it? Nick, what's yours? Um, okay. It's not like a great moment, but just like when Rupert becomes relatable and is like, I was made fun of a lot growing up and I don't like when people make fun of me now as a grown man. He's like, I'm a grown man. Why am I still being bullied? And I'm like, oh my God, let me hug you and give you some pants. (laughs) (laughs) Is that my favorite moment when he makes himself a skirt? And then when they win the sewing machine, he makes an even better skirt. I think that has to be mine. And like, 
people are making fun of him, like you said, for the skirt. And he's like, so what? I'm a man in a skirt. I don't have chafing on my legs for my heavy denim. So like, leave me be. And I'm like, own it, babe. You look great. Own it. And Krista just being like, leave him alone. It's his skirt. Just let him wear his skirt. And I'm like, yes, babies. Okay. Stace, favorite Rook moment? Mine is at the beginning what I talked about where he just steals the other team's shoes and stuff and it's just he's just sitting there he's like it was there so I took it and I love that. Anna? Um, for me it's got to be the multi-episode arc of Rupert and his pet snake Balboa who is realized <laughs> in the merged tribe name after he quietly passes away in the night. <laughs> I... <laughs> I didn't forget about Balboa the snake, but that's an important one to bring up. I feel like we may have for we would is have that been... our honorable mention is Balboa the snake. <laughs> Balboa the snake. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, okay, and then finally, yeah. I think across the board we can all agree Jeff Probst is a ten at almost every point in Survivor history. But personally, I think he was looking real good this season. So maybe we should talk about how hot we think Jeff is this season on a scale of one to 10. And why is it a 10? What part of his persona and who he is in season seven makes him a 10? I can start if you guys want, um, or you guys can start, but it just, it's important to me that we talk about it. It needs to be said, it needs to be addressed. I think what? I should start just because, I, you know, it, it'll only go up from, from me, so. Perfect. Okay, I say five just because I think Jeff gets better and better looking and as a host with age. So like if we say five now and we have to go up to 40, you know, he'll be off the charts. You're giving him a runway to improve. Okay, (laughs) okay, perfect. Anna? Um, I gotta go with just a full 10 because he never looks anything less than a 10. I just want to take a bubble bath in his dimples and call it a day. Um, right in there i hate what was just said i don't i loved it but i agree he's a full-on ted like i agree stacy in the later seasons he turns into a true true daddy age is like fine wine but something about jeff and pearl islands ooh, the tan was right the scruff was right daddy got a haircut right before Ugh. production it was too good Okay, I'm going to get into real nitty-gritty specifics here. I also think he's a 10. I also think he's a 10. I think one notch against him is the, like, full-on early 2000s Tiva sandals. They are not (laughs) my favorite vibe, but he makes up for it with his Survivor logo hats instead of a cowboy hat. He looks much better in a baseball cap. I He needs to keep that look. Bring it back, Jeff Probst. I think you do at some point, but like the cowboy hat's too much of a look. Um, and also your sunflower shirt at the reunion, chef's kiss. I You've never looked cuter and your tan was glowing, sir. All right, y'all, that takes us out. Sorry for making this a long one. Pearl Islands is important. If you haven't watched it already and feel like you want to now, I high, high, high recommend. We'll see you next time. If you have any thoughts or real aggressive feels about what we said or what you think about this season, holler at us. We are at Escaping Reality Pod on Instagram and at ESC Reality Pod on Twitter. Listen, tune in, interact. Those five-star reviews on Apple and Spotify really help us get traction so people can find us and more of your friends can listen to us and interact with us. We also just want to hear from you. What did you like? If you are a past Survivor contestant, want to talk about your season with us, want to set us straight on some of the stuff that went down, holler at your girls and your gay. 
get into our DMs. We want to hear from you and we would love to have you. As fun as the four of us are, I think any of you guys could add quite a bit of pizzazz. So hit us up. We'd love to hear from you, have you on the show. And until next time, thanks for escaping reality with us.